Hello to all our listeners out there within hearing range. My name is Dan Dick, and I welcome you to another episode of Church Matters. Janet. Yes, Dan. This is your last time on the program with me. Is that true? It is, unfortunately, yes. Well, I'll miss you here in the studio with me, but this does give me a chance to do what I've always wanted to do, which is to interview you. And it'll also be a great opportunity to chat with you about the difference between a job and a vocation, something I know you're passionate about. Will you read our scripture theme one last time for us today? I'd love to. Today's scripture text is taken from John 15, verses 16 and 17. You did not choose me, but I chose you. And I appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, so that the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. I am giving you these commandments so that you may love one another. Janet, are you ready to get into it? Let's do it, Dan. The words job and vocation are sometimes thrown around interchangeably, but there's a big difference. A job may earn a living, but a vocation is what you discern to be your personal calling. Choosing whether you have a job or a vocation can make a profound difference in your life. And today, my co-host Janet Plenner is going to help us reveal the difference in her life over the last 25 years. In addition to co-hosting Church Matters with me for almost five years now, Janet has been for the last 10 years involved in leadership roles with Mennonite Church Canada's Witness Ministries. In this work, she has provided direction to international ministries in 25 countries, and Native and Multicultural Ministries in the Church here in Canada. This particular work has now come to completion for Janet, and she is contemplating how she will direct her energy for the Church in the next phase of her life. Now, I know you're passionate about your vocation. Your work has never been just a job. Can you share with our listeners how you distinguish between a job and a vocation? The Book of Ephesians tells us to be worthy of the calling to which we are called. I think that calling is a significant clue to thinking about vocation. Jobs are necessary, and we need finances to support our families and to run life. That's a good thing. A vocation goes deeper than just a job. It is part of the calling to which God has called us, to which we are asked to be worthy. So we are to consider what God wants for us as followers of the Jesus way, as we think about what we do with each hour of the day. Janet, I know you have served the church in various places around the world, in what is now called the Democratic Republic of Congo, and then in Brazil, and in many other places through your leadership work with Mennonite Church Canada. How and where did your understanding of God's calling for you find its first expression? Well, surprisingly enough, probably on a beach. I was walking with a boyfriend, And I very specifically remember deciding that I would not marry this particular wonderful person. I would not do that because he was a Christmas and Easter Christian. And I knew that I was seeking deeper knowledge of God, and he would not accompany me in that journey. And for me, that became a very significant part of my conversion, but also the beginning of my calling. My husband Steve and I first went overseas for no big, deep calling or flash from God. We went in simple interest and adventure as young marrieds to go and to do good and to serve others. I had a fascination with international things and other languages and cultures, so it was very simple. 
Through that period in the what was then called Zaire, now Democratic Republic of Congo, we began to seek more deeply, what is it that God wants for us? Why are we here anyway? That calling turned into a desperate and dark time for us because we understood the calling as a calling to a specific location. And you can imagine back in the early 90s when Congo began to fall apart once again. And the streets were lined with mobs and violence and robbery. And I found myself with two young toddlers watching this happen. And it was the next morning when I woke up to a gentle, unusual rain. And I so strongly felt God saying to me, it's going to be okay. Because I had understood my calling to be one to Congo, I understood that okay meant we'll stay in Congo. Even though we interpret certain things from God, that's not always the way things are meant to be. Exactly. So I was listening to this specific calling, and it was later that day through a whole long series of complicated things that we very quickly picked up a sleeping toddler, turned the stove off, which had our lunch cooking on it. We gave all of our possessions to the pastors that were with us. We packed our documents, photos, children, and we left our country. We left our ministry behind. And that plunged us into a deep and dark spiritual time where we felt that we had failed God. We had failed our calling. We had walked away from our people. We were crushed and grieved as we arrived back in Canada, though those around us were happy for our safety. We didn't want to be safe. We wanted to be faithful, and we felt that we had abandoned our people. Healing was slow in coming, but it did, and we were stronger for it. It was the community that affirmed our calling when we didn't have the courage to do that. It was the church mission board who believed in us and called us to a new term of service when we didn't think we were worthy of serving. And it was scripture that gave me the strength to ask if God still wanted to use me. And God said so clearly through scripture that If God would call Moses, unassuming and without wise words, and only a staff in his hand, then perhaps God could use even me. And so with that inspiration, you went to Brazil? With that inspiration, we had another sense of calling, and it was a calling that went beyond ourselves. It was a calling of community and of scripture to simple faithfulness. And we understood that, that this time we would not make the mistake of specific location, but we said in Portuguese, Eis-me aqui, Senhor, here I am, Lord, send me. And we told the mission board that we were willing to serve if they wanted us, and we were sent to Brazil. Our calling to come back to Canada was perhaps our first calling away from something. We felt we were at the pinnacle of our ministry there, and yet there started to be community speaking again, calling us, and specifically me this time, for the first time, to leadership in North America. That was a very difficult time because we were so joyful in the work that we were doing in Brazil. And in some ways, I objected and I fought God at every turn. And I remember one morning saying to my husband, it's absolutely not going to happen. I've decided I am too young. I'm the wrong gender. I simply am not prepared 
for the kind of service and leadership that I'm being asked to consider. And I went into the office and I took out my Bible and my daily guide said, today's the day to read Jeremiah 1. And the commentary and the footnotes about it talked so clearly about Jeremiah being young and unexperienced without the right words. And who did he think he was to put that as a barrier? God would give him the words and God would lead him forth. That was a big part of my calling to leave Brazil and to come into leadership in Canada and the United States. You've segued nicely into my next question, Janet. And I remember last summer when you came back to the office after having attended the inaugural Truth and Reconciliation event here in Winnipeg, you were clearly very moved by what you saw and heard. As an executive level leader in the national church, uh, you could have just as easily delegated someone else to attend the Truth and Reconciliation event on your behalf and, and hear all these stories about residential schools and so on, but you chose not to. Why? I think as leaders, we're called to practice what we preach. In fact, as Christians, we're called to practice what we preach. Being given responsibility over a variety of departments and ministries, clearly we don't come with the background and experience um, equally in each one. And I knew that I needed to learn more about Native ministries, and I needed to grow in my sensitivity and appreciation to what our First Peoples here in Canada have experienced, especially in their interaction with the church. It was important to me, as a person who loves stories, to hear firsthand the stories to watch the faces of people sharing their stories. I believe that God has written a big story about God's people. The story isn't over yet. And there are many little stories within the story. This piece of Canadian history is one that we don't teach well enough. It is one that the church has not acknowledged openly enough. And it is time for us to grab a hold of it as part of who we are in Canada, together as uh, settlers and as First Peoples here in this land. Can you share a few highlights of when you have seen the church at its best, regardless of differences? I had the dubious opportunity to be in Colombia in 2004 with my family when a Mennonite pastor was killed by a bomb. It was probably not targeted, but he died. And I participated in the funeral of this pastor and it was amazing to me to see the church at work in its suffering. The church needs to suffer when they mourn the loss and experience violence like this. But in this case, the Mennonite Church of Columbia did not only mourn, they also witnessed. And they witnessed by who they are. They took their suffering to the streets after a private ceremony in the church and a, a beautiful worship service. And they processed down the street with white balloons, with peace messages, with messages of forgiveness, with messages calling for an end to violence. And they walked singing hymns and songs to the place where the pastor had died. The blood was still on the wall. Flowers were placed around amongst the, the rubble of the broken glass and the devastation there. And I remember then president of the Columbian Church, Peter Stuckey, standing up on a scaffolding, I think it was, and just giving a brief time of testimony of their lament and sorrow, but how violence is not the answer. 
And you know, the there was spontaneous singing that broke out. And the song calls for God to forgive the city and God to send his love. And here in the midst of their sorrow, these devastated people having lost their pastor were praying and singing for God to forgive them. And this was public on the corner where the pastor had been killed. It was a beautiful testimony of how the church is the church inside and outside the walls of the church building. Janet, I'm going to miss our conversations here on Church Matters. I understand that you're going to take a little jubilee time to discern where your vocation takes you next. On behalf of all our listeners, I want to thank you in particular for your work with me on Church Matters. And if I may, I'd like to send you off with a blessing I have adapted from a Lutheran church context. Thank you, Dan. It has been great to be a part of this show. Janet, may the Holy One prosper the work of your hands, mind, and heart. May the Spirit guide your deliberations and discernment for the sake of the gospel. May the gifts you use and share be signs of your love to all people. May God direct you by the light that you have, that you will find wise judgment in all things and rejoice in all times in Jesus, the Son of God's peace. Thanks, Dan. That concludes our program for today. I want to send out a great big thank you to all our listeners wherever you are. I invite you to support the Ministry of Church Matters with a gift. You can give over the phone, through the mail, or in person. Call 1-866-888-6785 or go online at MennoniteChurch.ca. My name is Dan Dick. And I'm Janet Plennert. And you've been listening to Church Matters. And I'd like to give you one final blessing. My prayer is that you will be called, equipped, and sent to be the church in the world today. Tune in wherever you are, and thanks for listening. As you go out from here, may the Lord go with you. The face of God shine on you every day. We are sent by God wherever we are living, salt and light as people of the way.